You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Batherson got a rebound off a shot on the short side. Batherson, they got to get bigger in certain areas. That's what she said. <laughs> Good morning, Vietnam. So 700, what is seven? What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. I don't know what the seven stands for. 7 a.m. Brooke Ward with you along with Josh Elliott Wolf. A-Dog's here, Laddie's here. Good morning. Trying to get used to the format here. It's day two. I think he nailed it off the top. I don't know. Hello, hello. Screwed it up off the top. Hey, Laddie. How you guys doing? I think we're swell. Doing great. You getting used to these mornings yet? Nope. Don't like mornings. And I won't. A-Dog and I are talking about how we're sleeping in. It's an hour later than usual. Such a win for you guys. Yeah, it's glorious. Do you guys, are you guys nappers regularly? I used to be, not so much anymore. I I tried yesterday, and I just, I wake up more tired after. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm a terrible napper. If I nap, I sleep for like five five hours, so I can't do it. Ruins a whole day. I'm pre-game nap all, every day now, if there's a game or not, but it goes back to uh, the old days when I'd work in the morning at 6 a.m. or 5.30, and then you had to cover the Canuck game at night, and you're there till midnight, and then you had to swing around, much like... You know, Mr. Laddie over there who was at the Giants game last night. And yourself. I was there too, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, then you have that turnaround. So you have to have the pregame nap, I find. But now even if it's 2, 3 o'clock every day, that's an hour out of my life. I should start adding that up. That's seven hours a week. I could do the math. How much of my life I'm using. You got a nap, man. You'll get used to it. It's great. Laddie, aren't naps great? I love them. I, I was telling oh. uh, Sonia from 1130 that uh, – when my daughter goes for her nap, my two-year-old, I go down for my nap too. It's a it's perfect a little bonding thing. He's right also here. got a crib. A yeah, I got a little. He's crib. got a giant crib. He sleeps in. <laughs> they give That's him his, so his bottle, his little blankie. <laughs> wow, I like yeah. that. But if you want to gain an hour because the daughter's going to be a lot of work, I would suggest napping at a different time than your daughter. That's true. Your daughter's down. You get an hour off, that is true. and then you say to your wife, "Well, uh, sorry, it's my nap time," <laughs> and you get another hour off. We're learning things already here in the morning. Uh, welcome to the big program. We're in for uh, Halford and Bruff. They are missing in action this week. They're on the DL. Lower body injuries. Maybe upper when I think about it after how much drinking they may have done over the last week and a half. But they say they'll be back next week anyway. But they're working. I'm going to change it to upper body injury right now. Uh, Josh Elliott and myself are floating around here doing the damage for you. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Greg Wisniewski of ESPN NHL. Lots to talk about the NHL. We'll get to some of it and what happened in just a moment. Vancouver Giants last night dropped a 4-2 decision. At home to Victoria, gave up three power play goals. It was a tight game to the third period, but they gave up three power play goals. You're not going to win. And they didn't. Adam Maglio, their assistant coach, is going to join us. The Giants hosting Edmonton tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at the LEC. Later on the program, Brady Henderson, ESPN, out of Seattle. We'll talk Seahawks. We'll find out what is going on with Russell Wilson. Who has won the power struggle? I think we know the answer between the head coach, Sean Payton, and Russell Wilson. Because, boy... That honeymoon has not lasted very long. More on that with Brady Henderson later in the program. Sat is going to join us because we, we love Sat, and he hasn't worked for a couple of days. And he'll be working tonight 
as the Canucks take on the Philadelphia Flyers. So he's pulling the day-night doubleheader. What we learn later on in the program, too, and a couple of things to get into, but I want to ask you off the top, off the top, just as a talking point, and what may come into our inbox that you can jump in the Dunbar Lumber text line right now, 650-650, plenty of things to get into with what happened. But I want to know your top three Canucks in order. It's sort of your MVP list. But I want to know who your top three are. If you had to pick the three best Canucks, which would fall into your t- – you're not going to get into your unsung heroes, which I've changed my mind from yesterday. I had DeSmith, Casey DeSmith, as my unsung Josh, and mm-hmm. now I've gone, you know what, Bluger. Bluger's probably Bluger's my unsung. a good choice. Because he is not sung, mm-hmm. but I'm on yesterday's topic today. But I was thinking – and some people Blugered us in the uh, inbox. Blugered all over themselves. They did. Better way to say it than that. I hate it when that happens. But otherwise, I'm now thinking, no, I'm going to go off to Smith because he is getting some accolades, and I'm going to go on Bluger for yesterday. But your top three Canucks this year, in order to, which would be your three most valuable players as we near New Year's. So I'll drop that on you as we cruise in today. You could jump in on this if you wanted, Josh, earlier. You could think about it for a while. I'll think about it. We'll get into it at some point. Because I got my three... I got my three, that is for sure, but we'll, we'll test on that. If you want your three in, and we'll drop them in as we cruise through the morning, it's 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line, Mr. Elliot Wolf. Uh, hour one of Halford & Bruff brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest price on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid, 1170 Powell Street, and, and... The DeLore family of Acura dealers experience the DeLore difference today. Visit your nearest DeLore Acura dealer today. Now, do you get to drive Halford's Acura while he's yep. away? Wow. Yep. He I'll... is out of a car. <laughs> he's <laughs> just... in such a tough spot right Yeah, now. you're doing the ad read, so yeah. you, you better get access to the car. That's what I said. I know. That Driving ability. Deal. Do we cruise to what happened, or do you want to go into just a couple of minutes here? Your call, Mr. Josh. I say we do what happened. Okay, it's up to you. You go. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? Uh, By the way, before we get into it, what happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit bccsa.ca. Well, I will lead off. I'll tee off first just because. It, it back sells the read so nicely. Uh, two more for Bedard last night. The overtime game winner. Uh, 15 goals and 17 assists. 32 points, 34 games. Call it a point-a-game clip. He's miles ahead of anybody else on the lowly Blackhawks. And when I say lowly Blackhawks, Josh, that has to factor into the equation because he's. Uh, it's not like he's getting a point and a half a game, but he's not lighting the league up. But he's a highlight reel guy again, and playing on that Blackhawk team, no support. Those are some great numbers for this kid mm-hmm. out of yeah. North Van. And it's even more impressive because, to your point, the third and fourth highest scoring players on the Chicago Blackhawks, Nick Felino and Jason Dickinson, who are not the best offensive players at this point in their careers. Dickinson maybe hasn't ever been in the NHL. Um, but, yeah, the way Bedard is playing – has been insane. And specifically that overtime goal last night, I was talking to Laddie about it before the show. Though his release on that, I don't know if I've ever seen a shot like that, where it looks like he's going blocker side. Connor Hellebuck, who's 
an amazing goalie. We all know that Vesna caliber goalie bites on it because he's like, surely he's shooting on the blocker side with his stick in that position. And instead it goes glove side. Halibut is fooled. And it was just an amazing release. And um, it feels like he's also gaining confidence at this point. Cause we saw the Michigan goal a few days ago as well that he pulled off and he's uh he's dialed in right now. And I, I wish there was some more help in Chicago for him because I do feel like he's capable of being uh, even better than we've seen, but there's just uh, no one to pass it to, no one to pass it to him, and that plays a part. There'll be more help soon. At this point, it might be a Celebrini. You never know if the if the Blackhawks can uh, continue to sink because they're right near the bottom of the standings anyway. Wouldn't that be something, by the way? Or you win the lottery and you get yourself a Celebrini if you have that uh, decent lottery odds. So there could be help on the way. But, yeah, he just sold that goal so nicely and Hella, had Hellebuck going to his right and the puck goes to his left and he just buries it. And so many of the goals he scores, as he did in junior too, is just, or at any level, frankly, if he was playing in the World Juniors, shelf, 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 such touch with the puck, roofing it all the time, picking corners that other guys have not been able to pick. Mm-hmm. If he had a supporting cast, uh, he'd be uh, have way more points. But he's still on pace here for a 30 or 35 goal season. His second half, by the way, as you talk about, you can see the confidence growing now that he knows he can play and survive physically in the league mm-hmm. as well. And he's built. He's This guy is not the biggest guy in the world, but he's all muscle. So he's on his way to, at this point, pace for an 80-point season in a 30 or 34 uh, or a 35 goal season. I don't know what else you would ask from Connor Bedard. No, there isn't much more you you would want from him. I was I I will say going into the season when I looked at the Chicago Blackhawks roster, I was like, you know what, maybe maybe Bedard will show flashes, but I just don't know if there's enough help for him to really mm-hmm. be a point of game player. I thought he might be around fifty sixty, and maybe by the end of the year he still is. But with the way he's playing now, it seems like he will be around a point of game at the end of the season. Maybe if he goes on a little run here, uh, even above that, and that's uh. To your point, definitely more than you could ask for if you are Chicago I'm, right now. I'm betting he'll finish. I'm just betting he'll finish above a point of game pace by the end of the year. And he's cruising, barring injury, and he's cruising past 30 goals. So that would be good. Connor Bedard leading off here with what he well, did with Chicago. With the release like Bedard has, I have no doubt he's going to be a point per game player, <laughs> yeah. if not this season, then very, very soon. Because uh, that, that attribute makes him dangerous from any point of the ice. And that's so taxing for a goaltender to have to be so aware when the puck is on a certain player's stick and Bedard brings that at 18 like it's Mm -hmm. just unbelievable what he's done I think we can even hype up enough of what he's doing I think if he got a little help in Chicago maybe brought in a couple players in the offseason I think next year he could definitely very easily be over 100 points. You're saying he's the kind of guy you can build around? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Well, they got building to do, but I've got him I've got him by the time the season ends here over a point of game pace mm-hmm. this year. Moving forward, uh, who knows the sky's the limit for this kid. Uh Bedard was number 1, Mr. Elliott. Uh the next one I had. So the New York Rangers were in action last night. Um they won and with that they move into a tie for first in the NHL with your Vancouver Canucks, though the Rangers have played two less games, so their point percentage is higher. Um, so the Canucks, second in points, well, tied for first, but we'll put them in second in the NHL. Third in point percentage as uh, LA has still played four less games than Vancouver. And uh, it's uh, it's still, like, I don't know if there's much you could take away from it other than it's notable. 
that the Rangers and Canucks are tied. Uh, well, the 1994 Stanley Cup finalists. There they are. <laughs> yeah, that would right be fun. Right the shelf. Now, the Rangers have five less regulation wins than Vancouver, so they're tied in points, mm-hmm. and I know they've played two less games. So do you, Mr. Elliott Wolf, call the Canucks because of regulation wins? Because the Rangers still need to win games to pass them. Who's in first place, Vancouver? I, I would say New York. Yeah, I got New York in first place, too. I, the, the one I have a, a qualm with, I guess, is I know LA's point percentage, like, if we're going by that, Vancouver is .70, LA is .71. Theoretically, LA is technically higher, but also they got a they're five points back, four games in hand. So that's the one where I'm like, well, I got to see them win those games. Yeah, but when the Rangers are tied and they have games in hand. Give it to the Rangers. That's I would. Uh, I'm giving it to the Rangers. It's just nice to see Vancouver up there with anybody, let alone uh, their 1994 Stanley Cup final companions there. But uh, the Kings beat the Sharks five to one to gain a, a couple on Vancouver, eating up one of those games at hand. The Ducks beat Vegas five to two, leaving them two behind Vancouver. So that helped Vancouver last night. And if I had to pick one, I'd you know whatever. But I think let's keep Vegas behind to keep the teams behind. It's so among other things. Things, even with games in hand, you expend so much energy trying to catch up the teams in front of you often that often that happens, but you don't pass them. You burn up so many games. I don't know why it works that way, but you burn up your games trying to catch the team in front of you, games in hand. For some reason, often, and I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but often you'll catch that team and then whoosh, and it's real early in the season too. Mm-hmm. But in the second half, lots of times you'll see teams do that. It's so tough. Once you, you waste so much energy trying to catch the teams you're chasing despite the games at hand, you have trouble passing them. But uh, it still looks pretty neat and tidy. And you have the Canucks and Flyers tonight too, a team yeah. Philadelphia that is on a roll prior to the rule. They've been a pretty average hockey team this year, but they're on a roll tonight. Yeah, both the Flyers and Canucks 7-1-2 and two in their last 10 games. Um, Flyers third in the Metropolitan right now. They are, I don't know, you remember when Torts was a coach here in Vancouver and the Canucks kind of halfway through the season were, were pretty hot, but they were kind of riding unsustainableness. I, I wonder if that's happening a bit in Philly and if we'll see a bit of a drop-off in the second half. But as of now, they're they're firing on all cylinders, so the Canucks uh, got to be prepared for that. Also, by the way, L.A. and Vegas play tonight. So one team has to lose. One team also has to win. Exactly. That's the other thing you're going down the stretch. When you get into the stretch and things like that, too, you get teams that are playing head-to-head. There's guaranteed points. You're hoping it's not a three-point game. Basically, somebody win. Don't get this thing into OT where you're handing out extra points to people. So the Canucks and Flyers tonight, uh, certainly. Uh, I don't know if you heard about Chris Letang last night. Philadelphia shut out Bo Horvat's New York Islanders 7 nothing. Letang had a night, Josh. He did. So six points in total. The notable part, five points in the second period which this is surprising to me. It's a record for NHL defensemen in one period. It's a lot of points, five points in one period, especially for a defenseman. I just thought like Bobby Orr would have done it at some point, maybe. Um, but that's very impressive. And uh, Pittsburgh finds themselves right now outside of the playoff picture still. They kind of had a weird start to the season. Um, but they're a team, and the East is so difficult right now because if you look just at the Stop current... I- playoff standings Tampa New Jersey Pittsburgh all find themselves out of the playoff picture at the moment but Washington Philly New York uh sorry the Islanders 
are all in there. So it, it feels like it's kind of going to be a bloodbath in the East, and Pittsburgh should uh, hopefully, for their sake, get going. But Latang last night, yeah, he was uh, he was great. Five points in the second period, record for NHL defensemen. Well, in that's period. A, that's a lot of points. A lot of points for a month. For a defenseman, let alone five at a period, six at a game for Latang, who I've been wondering, when's his game fall off? Well, those six points certainly help from a statistic standpoint. Waiting for his game maybe to fall off a little bit. Had it fallen off? Is he certainly on the back nine or if not on the uh, uh, 17th green of his career type deal? But uh, six assists last night. The other thing that leaps out at me at that game, you know who had no points? Lots of guys had no points in a 7 nothing win for the Penguins. Sid the Kid was shut out. Nothing Which for weird. Sid the Kid last. I know in a seven-point game, you figured Crosby's going to get in there somehow. And Ovi, he he was shut out again last night. Can't, I'm trying to remember the score off the top of my head. I'll dig it up for you. But Ovi shut out again last night. But I always put Ovi and Sid the Kid on the same page. But uh, nothing for Sidney Crosby last night? Yeah, and he's been, uh, by the way, the uh, Capitals lost to the Rangers 5-1. There you go. Um He's been and he's been good this year. He's he's been more of the ageless wonder that we're uh, we're used to seeing from Sidney Crosby. Um, he's but, still putting up points. Yeah, yeah, thirty five points in thirty three games so far this year. Ovechkin, uh, since you brought him up, are you? Because for me, last year it would have been like, yeah, undeniable. He is getting uh, Wayne Gretzky's goal record. Are you questioning that now? Or do you still think he'll get there? As of this week, yes. I'm, I'm with you and everybody else, though, last year, et cetera. The guy just, I mean, he's, he's, he's slowing down, but he's still putting up big enough numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't still ex- had 42 last year. Yeah, and so I wasn't expecting like 60 or whatever he needed, this 62 or whatever he needs uh, this year from Ovechkin. But I thought, uh, you know, he's going to have back-to-back 40-goal years still. Mm-hmm. Now you got me wondering. I mean, I'm just wondering, is this a blip on the radar screen for him? Six goals, one goal since November the 18th one goal in December for mm-hmm. Ovechkin and we're running out of December uh he is a guy I'm just wondering now is it Gretzky when he had a nine I think it was a nine goal season which is ironic too because Mr. Gretzky liked nines mm-hmm. it was his favorite number it was Gordie Howe's number and then he went 99 to the national and he finished up with a I believe a nine goal season in his final year Gretzky could have kept playing but even Gretzky said, "Well, you know, I had a nine goal. So why did I have? I had a nine goal season. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm it's Wayne over. Gretzky. Yeah. After nine, I'm good. I'm not coming back next year for yeah. seven or six or eleven. So will Ovi? If this is just a blip on the radar screen, and he's got a second half here to try and get himself to the thirty goal mark, as an example. But if he's finishing up the, this year with fifteen goals or something." Will Ovi look and go, man, I'm Ovi. I can't come back. I mean, there's pride on the line, too. Do I want four, five, 15-goal seasons here just plugging out into my 40s to try and get this record? I think that'll be very interesting to see what the psyche of Ovechkin is moving forward if this is not a blip on the radar screen. I think he would need multiple like back-to-back seasons of being around a 20-goal score to be like, hey, you know what? Maybe this just isn't for me anymore. Um, but... The the other issue is the Capitals just aren't that offensively gifted this year. A lot of their guys are either new in the league, aren't super amazing, maybe middle six guys, or they have a lot of guys that are just kind of past their prime. And Ovi, Ovi you could probably put in there, though I think if he was on a team that had some more insulation around him, he could probably still be the Ovi we're used to, but... 
I don't know. I just don't know if Washington is going to be able to surround him properly in the la- in the next few years, if he does play for a few years, to be able to um, completely get back to where he was. And he still might be able to catch the goal record if he plays for long enough and gets a few 30-goal seasons in there. Um, oh, yeah. It, but now I'm now it's much more of a question than it was Big previously. And a sure. shocking question if you think about it as well. Like I, I didn't expect it to be on the ledger this year, Ovi sitting on six goals as we're looking at the calendar about to turn to 2024. But, uh, yeah, can he's still getting looks. He's still getting shots away. They're not going in. Has he slowed down just that little bit that is making a difference? Uh, what also happened was Canada – Aired out another opponent, 10 nothing Latvia yesterday. 10 donut. That's a lot of goals. That's a lot of goals, man. Uh, Mac- I think even in that game, Latang had a couple of assists. <laughs> yes. Uh, Macklin Celebrini leads the uh, tournament in points, by the way. We were talking about him potentially going to Chicago. And, yeah, he has six points in two games so far for Team Canada. And uh, he's been good. Canada has been good. Um, it'll be interesting tomorrow, I believe, is when they play Sweden. Yes. And that is, uh, that's going to be a game to watch because, uh, all due respect to Latvia and Finland is often good. I don't know if they're, they're of their normal caliber this year, but, um, all due respect to Latvia and Finland, Sweden is going to be the, the toughest competition they face in this first few games. Um, so we'll, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that also sweden playing today by the way at uh 10 30 so if you want to watch your few canuck prospects in the tournament like Rimaki, elias petterson and um tom melander that's how you uh that's how you can do it that's how you can do it russo 20 save shout out yesterday i was uh i was out for lunch frankly and i was out to lunch mostly but out for lunch yesterday for a change and uh, hitting White Spot. Why Why wouldn't I? I went to my buddies at White Spot, and they had the Canada-Latvia game on the TV, so I really hadn't been paying much attention, but I saw Canada score a goal. I'm a ways away, and I see there's no celebration, and yeah. I'm realizing they're airing them out, and it was 9 nothing at that point. So at that point, okay, 9 nothing, whatever, no celebration. You knew something was cooking there with gas. So uh, more coming up on this later. Because I asked people, I want to just jam this in at the back end here, ask people for their top, and thank you for the – your uh, Dunbar Lumber text at 650-650, you're crushing it. Your three top Canucks, MVPs, if you will, three best Canucks this year. Uh, lots of people in the inbox. And North Delta, Jay in North Delta goes Hughes, Miller, Besser. I don't have Besser in there, but I have Miller in there, which I thought some people wouldn't have Miller in there. You're going to have Hughes. I think because like Miller is a uh, I got Miller in my top. He's got so many points that you kind of have to. It's his attitude, it's his drive, it's his this, it's his that. I mean, the snarly attitude as well. He seems to be playing nicer with people in the when it comes to actually to the media and or not that that matters, but with his players and teammates, there's no arguments on the ice. He's just everywhere. I have in this order actually. I have Demko, Hughes, Miller in that order. But I could flip Hughes for Demko if I wanted to. But my I'm Demko tops, Hughes, Miller, and then I would get down to the Pedersons of the world. I was going to go uh, Hughes or Hughes, Demko, Miller. 
are is my top three. So same top same three, top different three, order, different order as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll get to more of these who cruise along. Keep coming in. I'm surprised to see uh, many people are dropping Besser in there. Yet he has the goals for Vancouver, doesn't he? When we come back, that's segment number one, man. Who's what is who's this Halford and Bruff guy? Come on. You got an A-Dog, you got a Laddie, you got an Elliot Wolf, and there's a Ward pulling up the rear here. Not the first time I've heard that. There And all this stuff uh, is going on here. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN NHL, coming up next. We'll talk about what's going on with Bedard with the uh, pride of ESPN. NHL talking more. Keep coming to the Dunbar Lumber text line, too. Three stores to serve you, Ladner, Bridge Street, the Express, Ladner Center, Arbutus in Vancouver, online, DunbarLumber.com. I'm Brooke. That is Josh. This is Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the morning show, Hufflin Bruff. Unavailable for selection this week. Just ahead of Greg Wyshynski, just briefly. Brooke, my wife would try to stab me with a fork if I try to nap while the kids are up. So That's what I was thinking. There yeah. you go for you, laddie. If you I'd still try that move though. You take the when your your daughter, son or daughter? Daughter. Daughter's sleeping, you you know, stay up and get a break and then right after. Oh, I'm just resting my eyes. Oh, I fell asleep. Try the move. I'm nuts. Try the move. Hide the forks. That's what you want to do. Uh, by, by the way, sorry, uh, no, uh, Halford and Brough brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. 1170 Powell Street. And Halford and Brough is brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delory accurate dealer. I blew it. Music ended. That's because that's my fault. That's my bad. Because I was yakking so much. I talked through the front end of the music. It would have sounded so much better. Speaking of sounding better, that's what we're going to do now because the pride of ESPN, Greg Wasinski is with us. Hello, Greg. How are you, sir? <laughs> the pride of you is okay. That's right. good. I'll take it. That's what I well, hear. I mean, I, I... I mean, I'd like I'd like to get maybe a, an eighth of that McAfee money if I am in fact the pride of uh, of ESPN. But, That's what uh, I hear. That's the word on the street. That's what I've been hearing yeah. lately. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll let I'll let my bosses know. Uh, go <laughs> good, good. They're the ones that told me, frankly. I, that's oh, in wow. Yeah, that's a title in lieu of a raise. That's what well, you just I think got. I think that makes sense. You know, you know, you you find out before I do. It's, uh, <laughs> corporate culture in 2023. That is the broadcast. <laughs> Are you wishes agent, Brooke? I don't know. Somebody What's going always, on here. You guys know the drill. Someone always <laughs> finds out before you find out when you get fired. I'm I'm very familiar with that. Uh, Greg, my friend uh, Bedard. We've been talking about him. There's lots of things to go through here. But what do you think about what the kid's been up to? The overtime game winner and two goals last night. I, here's the thing about Bedard I find interesting. So we're going to do our next awards watch uh, next week on ESPN, where we we have the actual voters share their current ballots with us, and it's uh, for my money the, the best barometer of what the actual races look like at this point. And I I think the Bedard, I think last night was the encapsulation of the of the Calder race because he had Bedard score twice. He was great, and he you know scored the overtime goal and had the big celebration and, and it was a, a point of conversation around the hockey world. Look at the flex on a stick. Look at him score the goal to win the game for Chicago. And then you had Luke Hughes last night 
<laughs> in the Devils game, go coast to coast to tie the game with like less than three minutes to go. It's a it's a thing that maybe a handful of guys in this league can do right now. McCarr, Quinn, uh, Eric Carlson. Like, there's only a few guys that can do what Luke Hughes did as a defenseman last night. Um, but no one talked about it. <laughs> well, maybe because <laughs> it was Devils Blue Jackets, but also because Bedard has completely grabbed the spotlight and uh, and grabbed the attention. And and the only way he was going to lose the Calder this year was obviously going to be if if he didn't hit his not his marks. Uh, I think he's exceeding expectations, but it, I thought last night encapsulated the Calder race. You have Luke Hughes doing something that only a few players and ones that are significantly older than him that can do. Um, but Bedard has the moment and uh, and gets the attention. That's a neat point you make there too of the uh, the Calder race. That's going to be very interesting this year. Uh, what were the Hughes parents putting in the Kool Aid? These kids were all drinking in the morning. How huh, to produce three guys like this? Well, it's funny. You know, I I, I did a story about uh, Quinn about uh, sorry about Jack and and uh, and Luke earlier this season, and talked to them about it and talked to Quinn about it and. and it's definitely the competitive spirit amongst brothers. I mean, it's yeah, maybe it's like a, a sidebar to the Iron Claw in the in, in theaters today with the with the Von Erich family and how they all grew up, you know, competing against each other and eventually started to fake fight in wrestling rings. Well, the Hughes brothers grew up competing against each other in everything. I mean, everything turned into a competition, whether it was actual games they were playing, like billiards in the garage or, you know, playing out in the, in the driveway. Like, everything they did was a competition, and I think that competitive spirit uh, kind of just traveled over into, you know, their pursuit of, of hockey careers. And, and, and I think the environment was definitely one of the reasons they've all turned out the way they are. I think, you know, God-given talent is another reason, but, uh, but it certainly is that sort of competitive spirit that they all talk about and the fact that when they – they see each other in the off season. They kind of pick off where they where they left off, and and it's it's just a bunch of three guys all trying to get the better of each other. Uh, speaking of Hughes, the Quinn variety uh, obviously gets a lot of attention here, Vancouver. You brought up your uh, NHL awards watch. The latest one in December, it had uh, Quinn as a finalist for uh, the Hart Trophy and as a finalist for the Norris Trophy. Um, do you see that changing at all? Either of those changing at all in the uh, next iteration? I don't, because I don't. I don't think that he's given any reason for it to change, and, and obviously the Canucks haven't given any reason for it to change. And I, and I think the one dynamic that has sort of now moved in, in Quinn's favor, especially when it comes to will we have a defenseman as the finalist for MVP, is the fact that Nathan McKinnon has been so good for the Avalanche. So to diminish the candidacy of Kale McCarr, like for a while, it looked like it was going to be, let's, let's nominate a defenseman for MVP. It's going to be the Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr. They're both having great seasons. One of them is going to be deserving of, of maybe winning the, the heart this year. Um, with McKinnon now, I think second in the league and scoring behind Kucherov, thanks to the insane tear that he's been on. It's no longer like McCarr's carrying the avalanche. Now it's again, McKinnon's team. And I think that ultimately is going to knock him down a peg, at least in the MVP voting, uh, which is certainly going to bolster uh, Quinn Hughes's case. Uh, and another one that when I when I read this initially, I was I was kind of surprised. JT Miller was in the uh, the Selkie conversation, <laughs> and uh, I think everyone that pays attention to the underlying numbers might might disagree. Though he was on kind of a run against 
uh, some other teams' top lines for a bit there. Is that something uh, you would see changing this time around? The Selkie changes month to month. I think that's the award that certainly maybe that and the Jack Adams are the ones that have the most sort of flexibility and candidacies uh, just because numbers can change quickly and, and uh, you know, people start kind of like looking a little, maybe a little bit deeper into certain cases. Uh, so, I, no, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't expect the, the JT Miller Selkie candidacy to be something that we talk about going into like February and, and in March. But I do think that your point is well taken, which is that the sort of uh, ancillary data of, of his lines being matched up against the other team's big lines and then him putting up the points that he put up uh, probably was seen as sort of like, uh, let's, let's give him some love. And, and hmm. I, like I said, I don't, I don't think he's necessarily got the case that like a Sasha Barkoff or somebody has. Uh, and we'll see if that's reflected in the voting uh, next month. That's a great point you make, though. I mean, I, I don't have him in the in the running for the Selkie either necessarily, but he's played that well. I mean, he played the, he's a shutdown guy who can score and who can be a pain in the butt and won't take crap from anybody. I, I mean, he's quite a player. We, we're rather fortunate to see him every night in a Vancouver uniform. Yeah, and, and fortunate that the team didn't didn't trade him. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, like keeping that core group together has has ended up paying off quite handsomely for Vancouver. But you know, the, 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 that's the that's the trick of trying to figure out who the best defensive players in this league are. Like, how do you define it? You know, it extends all over to Norris too. As far as like, well, if you're an offensive that keeps the puck in the other end, you know, for minutes at a time and keeping the uh, the opponent from skating down the ice and getting shots in your goalie, well, then you're doing your job. Um, it's not always about what you do in your own zone. So, like, when you think about a strength versus strength matchup between a team and, and its opponent, you know, if, if you have a great offensive, uh, offensive, you know, trio that just dominates whoever they play, I mean, can we define that as being great defensively? I, I, you probably can, but it's not going to be something that nor- normally is going to show up in the thought process of the voters. I'm thinking ahead to uh, Olympics should, if and when it happens, and I'm back to the Hughes brothers just for a moment because a light bulb went off in my head and I hadn't thought about it before. You have three Quinn Hughes, you can have three Hughes brothers playing on the U.S. Olympic team, two fighting over who gets to wear number 43 on defense. You could have these two guys playing D at the same time and their brother on the ice up the middle. I mean, that's quite a thing. That, I'm, I'm looking for – I didn't care about the Olympics, tell you the truth, Greg, that it just doesn't do a lot for me anymore, but I'd like to see that. Well, I mean, you certainly won't care about this next one because the U.S. is going to win gold. Oh, uh, so well, you know. It dramatically decreases the amount of, of energy <laughs> Canadians have to put into watching this tournament. But, no, I mean, listen, we, we, I think we have to assume that Quinn gets seniority, so he'll probably get the number. But we did a, uh, an Olympic uh, roster projection for the U.S. a few weeks ago on ESPN, and I had, I had, the, Quinn, I had the, the Hughes brothers playing together, which I think would be a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the Hugheses, it's the Kachucks, it's this entire hmm. – generation of of u.s players that have you know come up through the ncaa and come up through the national development program and have all been waiting for the opportunity to kind of play with each other on a national team and we'll, we'll probably get a taste of it in that fake world cup they're going to do <laughs> yeah. with those, those four nations uh leading into the 2026 olympics and i mean you know i talked to a number of the guys that'll be on that u.s team in theory and and i mean they're all they're all just super excited. I mean, and, and are also upset too. Like I talked to Charlie McAvoy from the Bruins and it came extraordinarily close that these guys were going to go to Beijing to the point where Charlie McAvoy was, you know, sending in his measurements for the Ralph Lauren suit that he was going to wear in opening ceremonies. Like it's, it's like it came that close. And, and I think that these guys are still heartbroken that they haven't gotten a chance 
to represent their country in one of these tournaments. And, and so hopefully it, it happens not only in, in the Olympics, but also in this uh, little mini tournament they're talking about in, in 2025. I will say it does kind of feel like the U.S. is is a lot of the U.S. players are kind of waiting for the opportunity because they've since um, the NHL has last played in the Olympics, there's just been an influx of so many amazing American players. And honestly, like if I if I had to pick a team that would win, maybe it's just strictly based on goaltending as well in Canada. Uh, Canada's lack of it, but it does feel like the U.S. would be the favorite in an in international tournament right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, goaltending alone, I should probably give them the, the advantage. You know, I've I've talked on the show before the concept of can we trade one of our goalies for one of your forwards? Uh, <laughs> kind of kind of yeah. concept because we've got Thatcher Demko and and Connor Hellebuck and you know Swayman and you know Ottinger. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, it's, it's just an a really impressive group of, of young goalies for the U S and then you look at what Canada's got between the pipes and it's like fingers crossed on Carter Hart or Jordan Bennington, I guess at this point. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it, the U S is, is the thing about the U S besides the goaltending um, advantage, which they, they certainly do have. It's the first group that really you feel like go toe to toe from an elite talent perspective with Canada. They've had, good teams before, but this is the first time since maybe like the nineties when the U S was rolling out Medano and Kachuk and, and Ronick and players like, and Leach and players like that, where you feel like the elite talent um, landscape is a bit more evened out than it's been say in like 2010 or 2014. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN joining us on Halford and Bruff, Brooke Ward and Josh Elliott Wolf, myself filling in for Halford and Bruff this week. Um, so, Elsewhere in the NHL, the Rangers beat the Capitals last night 5-1. to Move into a tie with the Canucks for first overall in the NHL, though the Rangers have a couple games in hand. Um, how legit do you think the Rangers are this season? Like, How confident are you in them when they get to the playoffs? wrote about that recently on ESPN about just like how good are they. <laughs> and, th- and there are still some underlying numbers, uh, particularly at 5-on-5, five five, that make you kind of give pause to how good is this team ultimately going to be? Are, are they getting a little lucky right now in, in some facets of it? Um, the answer is probably yes, but they've also been able to really do this uh, and, and move up the standings at a time when Igor Chishurkin wasn't playing well. I mean, when they, it was like the Jonathan Quick show for the first like two or three months of the season, which is kind of remarkable to think about. So um, they're deep, they're talented, um, and, and this group has been together for so long that, uh, that they also have a, a real chemistry and familiarity with each other. The, the one thing I, I think has been really impressive, though, with Peter Laviolette as the head coach is that he's, he's found a way to get them to play faster without the rock coming faster. They, they lost to the Devils in the playoffs last year. They got skated at the building. like They were, just did not have an answer for the devil's speed. And, uh, and then you watch this Ranger team now and, and they're quicker, they're quicker out of their own zone. They just move the puck faster. They play with better pace. And I think that's a direct correlation to what lobby lets block to the team. They have balanced scoring. I would suggest on New York too, fairly balanced, but like Panarin is uh, by far and away their, their best point getter. And then it kind of levels out, but they got a whole bunch of guys chipping in with 30 and 20 and 19. So Maybe that's all factoring in the equation, too. Balanced scoring, don't necessarily have any big standouts. Uh, but speaking of standouts, six assists for Latang last night. Your reaction, Mr. Wish? I mean, 
it's typical Penguins where like one night you you watch that team and you say, how is this team possibly outside of a playoff spot? And then you watch them the next night and you're like, oh, it's because they're wildly inconsistent and can't put two, two good games together most weeks. Um, that's just what they can do. I mean, the, the, if the Penguins were going to do what, what Kyle Dubas designed them to try to do this season, it was going to be on the strength of incredible individual performances like from Latang, like from Sid, like from Malkin, like from Carlson. Um, you know, it was going to be that kind of thing. And so to see them roll last night the way that they did against the team that they're chasing in the standings was very impressive. But the problem for the Penguins is that they've been completely Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, this, is, this has been the kind of thing that we've seen from them before. And then you hope to see it again. And then they, they lay an egg, you know. So it, unless they can find that consistency, unless they can get, you know, put together three good weeks, um, it's, it's still hard to imagine that they're going to be a team that they finally gets over the hump considering the amount of competition that they have for playoff spots in that conference. And by the way, like the conference disparity is a joke right now. Like, like there, are, there are all but three teams in the East that are above 500. Um, there are six teams in the West that are at 500 and below right now. Like there is an extreme imbalance in the number of competitive teams in the East at this point versus in the West. And, th- and part of that is also like the, the Oilers not getting off to the start they wanted and all that other stuff. But like from a pure points percentage standpoint, the East is, is, a, is a, like a chamber of death right now compared to the West. I hmm. uh, did want to ask you, you mentioned Carlson. Are they getting their money's worth out of Carlson in Pittsburgh this year? He's, he's playing well. I mean, like, again, the thing about Carlson is that the underlying numbers always tell you that he's, he's, he's playing extraordinarily well. And then you'll, you'll go on Twitter one night and somebody will put up a, a highlight of, of him blowing a defensive assignment and then the, the world crashes down and says, you know, what a, what a fraud. Uh, but, you know, again, like you can parse that out from any number of players. It just seems like that people pick on Carlson a lot for that sort of thing. Um, the, the money's worth is a tough is a tough definition because like outside of last season when he pops off and wins the Norris, I mean I don't think he's ever earning the money he's getting <laughs> as far as the 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 uh, enormity of that contract. But you, the thing that I would say is like for what they gave up for him and uh, and what the, is being kind of retained for him, I think I think they're they're probably getting the money's worth. Canucks and Flyers, we'll get you out on this one. Who you got tonight? Philadelphia here in Vancouver. Both, I mean, both teams hot. I'll always take the Canucks in this matchup because the Flyers aren't as good. But the problem for the for the, for the Canucks and for everybody else who's playing the Flyers is that they're they're there's just they're just annoying. Like they're, <laughs> they're not really great at anything, right? Like, but but they're playing that John Tortorella hockey of playing low event, play play it to the close of the vest, uh, play hard, you know, play physical. And, and keep things within the margins and, and you know, pick up loser points and, and stay, stay relevant. And, you know, that's probably not the best thing for the franchise at this point because I think coming into the season, Danny Briere and Keith Jones probably thought that, uh, you know, getting a higher draft pick would probably be the smartest thing for the team to do considering their sort of lack of, of, of overall direction right now. That being said, it's really hard to do that when John Tortorella is your coach because this guy, even on, on mediocre teams, ends up getting them close to the bubble. So I'm surprised that the Flyers are winning as much as they are. I'm, I'm not as surprised that they are more relevant than we thought they'd be because I don't think Tortorella has it in his body to coach a team that's kind of tanking. 
Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. I told people you're the pride of ESPN. Management said so. <laughs> now they know why if they didn't already know it, and they should. I know, I know. I and know. i got to update my business card. I know. Too, you so. got a title. i got a lot on my plate now. No raise. You get a title, though. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate <laughs> it, sir. Take, take care. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN, National Hockey League, the Canucks and the Philadelphia Flyers. Tonight, I get, you, you remind me Torts is in Philly. Remember when Torts was here? Did you enjoy the Torts run in Vancouver that year? He was very entertaining. It was fun up until a very specific point where it <laughs> wasn't fun anymore. Which point is that? Is that I where he tried to beat up? Maybe. Yeah, okay. Uh, what's his name? Flames coach? I think uh, he's Hartley. referring to the Longo situation. Yeah. Oh, I was referring to the, the Flames situation. Really? really? That was the best game I of mean, the year. But then... By far. That was the most memorable game of that year. That was the... I believe that was the tipping point where after that, the Canucks just like crapped the bed for the rest of the season. Yeah. And then the Luongo thing. See, I, I, I'm opposite of you. Like that game saved the season for me because I was not enjoying myself. With towards behind the bench, but they were like but pretty then, good up until they then. were. Yeah, they were, they were fine. But I knew they were not a good team. Like I, was, right. I had no, they were they weren't going to make the playoffs. Like they li- didn't look like a playoff team to me. And then that game happened, and I was like, okay, well, this just sort of salvages the entire season for me, just because it was so entertaining. Mm-hmm. The, cool. the one that really made it sour for me was the Luongo one, which is what I thought you were referring to. Because yeah. like the, after that, I was like, eh. This this isn't doing it for me. I, that, don't, I don't think it's going to work here. That was the uh, that was kind of like the nail in the coffin for me, where I was like, for "Man, sure. you can't treat a guy like this." Well, trying to take on Hartley to me was like crazy. Where I thought, "Okay, he's just losing it." This guy, oh, particular, like, okay, the ship is off the rails again. It felt like Mike Keenan was still here. The ship's off the rails again. But then the Luongo benching, shall we call it, or parking, or at least not getting the start. Benching's harsh because it sounds like you did something wrong and I benched you. But the fact that he didn't play him in the indoor-outdoor game, that's an indoor-outdoor game, a whole other thing in Vancouver. I hope that's one and done for that attempt inside BC Place. Uh, and uh, and on the sea, I remember at the end of the year we had our season-ending uh, walk-off talk with Torts, and he was saying, "I tell you what, at the end, as soon as we're done here uh, next week or whatever, I'll have everyone over to my place. All you media come over to my place. We'll talk about it. We'll have hot dogs and beers. We'll talk about things, and we'll sort it all out." And uh, I'm still waiting for the hot dogs and the beers in Point Roberts where he was living at the time. Cause no, no invitation went out? Well, not to me. Okay. You might have had some favorites in the media. So, Anyway. Sent uh, you a hot dog in the mail? Back in the yeah, day. Hot the dog in the GC Ford. In the inbox, 650-650 presentation, Dunbar Lumber text line. I asked you earlier, name your top three Canucks this year. I want to sort of riff on this for a minute or two, and we'll continue more later. And the inbox is hopping, by the way, so I thank you so much. Uh, my list has Demco. Hughes, Miller, in that order for Vancouver. Because I think without Demko, you know, the Canucks just aren't where they are, despite what Hughes and Miller, as an example, and or Besser have been doing. Most people are going Hughes, like Jason the killer goalie goes Hughes, Demko, Miller. He's going in my order. Some others have uh, Patterson in the mix. You see Demko, or actually Hughes, Demko, Miller, Patterson, Besser, honorable mentions. You're seeing some Bessers. The guy yeah. you're not seeing for the most part, though, is Patterson. You're not yeah. seeing his name in their top three. And that's not to say he's like been bad in any way. It's just that the Canucks probably have three, I would say three guys who have had more impactful seasons. Hughes and Demko, to me, are clearly top two. And I understand Miller has had an amazing season, third in the NHL in points right now. Um, and that's why he's third on my list. But um, Hughes and Demko have just been so clearly more impactful. Uh, Patterson, it just feels like if you're making a top three list, 
most people are going to have Hughes Demko in there. And then, yep. And then, if you're going for the guy who's just been more impactful offensively, then you're going Miller over Pedersen. Right? Definitely. I'm just saying the surprise would be mm-hmm. that if you ask someone, as an example, at the start of the season, by the time we get to Christmas, and tell them the Canucks are doing well, they have most points in the National Hockey League. Which are probably your three players, and they're going to go Hughes. I don't know what order, but they'll probably go Hughes, Demko, and then I think people would think Pedersen sure. would be in there. That's why I say, and that's the surprising thing, nobody's giving a Pedersen write-in vote, basically. Anyway, keep them coming. Keep them coming. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. We're going to sneak a break in here. Vancouver Giants lost 4-2 last night on home ice to Victoria. Their assistant coach, Adam Maglio, set to join us. More to come. Brady Henderson will talk football later in the day, find out what's going on with Russell Wilson. And Sat is going to join us here as he warms up for tonight's pre- and post-game show. It's all sad all the time today, Canucks and Flyers tonight. You'll hear that game right here on Sportsnet 650. Well, I want to just jam this into the back end here. 